dogs and cats living together. Uh, mass hysteria. This is We Have Concerns. Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. I want justice. We all want justice. Uh, okay. Must I? It's so early. Can must justice, we? Justice right it's now. It's never too early second? for justice, Jeffrey. Don't I mean, we, as I, human listen, beings, I agree? Have a natural instinct for justice, a natural instinct of right and wrong. Sure. Do you think, think. that human beings have an innate <laughs> moral need for justice? I mean. The entire news cycle in 2020 notwithstanding, yes. Okay. I think that uh, I, I used to think that I I truly do believe there is a little voice, not actually a voice, but there's a little part of you that understands right and wrong just innately. I think that little part of, of some humans is defective or shut off or easily ignored. Uh, but I do think that it is part of the human species is this fundamental morality yeah. or at least an, a knowledge a of it. A sense of fairness, a sense of being treated yes. fairly. And, and maybe, and yeah. maybe we, uh, as, as animals, what you're saying is maybe we only understand when we are being treated fairly and we don't so much worry about when others are being treated fairly, but we have an internal sense I of our own justice. Is, yes. I think that is, I think we are as, as lizard brain reptilian descended creatures, we are uh, we are innately selfish and part of the idea of becoming civil, of having a civilization is trying to mitigate that and recognizing that your actions affect others and there should be justice for everybody. And I think that's why across every form of religion, you have some version of the golden rule, yeah. right? Do unto others as you would want done unto you. Is is sort of this universe? It's said in different forms in different ways, but ultimately it breaks down to that because that's ultimately what it is to try to transcend your selfishness and go, hey, justice for me and justice for other people should be the same. Well, not to get too platonic on you here, Jeff, but uh, do you think that our need for justice? Do you think we have a need for retribution, or do you think we have a need for people to learn? grow and be rehabilitated do we want do we just want a transgressor to be punished mm. or do we want them to learn boy i would say you, you're talking about innately, innately or, i think what what uh, is the human instinct I think, I think the human instinct is to punish is to crush is to eliminate the unjust and try to whittle down the the herd into only the people and other factors that will lead to the most justice. Okay. Well, uh, you are not, you're not the only one that believes that. And you're not the only one that's interested in this question. There's a study that, I mean, I'm not, I don't agree with that just to be clear. I, I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, but I think that's sort of the innate general no, I get feeling. It. Jeff I think Kanata thinks that we should for... all crush our enemies under our boot heel. We get it. <laughs> We get it. Calm down, so Dr. Doom. I understand. I for. There's no crime uh, in Latveria. I get it. Um, here's what's up. <laughs> There's a study in Yale uh, that Yale ran. Yale, very fancy school. 
I've heard it's, of it's it. It's super fancy. Uh, it was published mm. in the uh, in the last episode of last episode. That's how I, that's what I call journals now. I call them. I do them episodically, <laughs> like they're mangas. Do you uh, do you, do you binge watch I journals? I binge watch the hell out of journals, particularly <laughs> the journal Nature and Human Behavior. Uh, so the, I like to let them all stack up, you know, and just like binge a whole season of, of nature. I do it all on journalology and you're six months behind, oh. but you can like you can really binge an entire story arc. And that's that's I think that's more satisfying because otherwise, if I do it yeah. month to month, I forget where I am in the journals and what's going on with what characters in the journals. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to avoid spoilers, though, <laughs> you know, when you do it that way. Uh, well, this is a team at Yale. Uh Molly Crockett, an assistant professor of psychology, authored a paper. Uh, she wanted to know if people had a need for retribution or if mm. we wanted to enact a moral lesson. And that's why we punish. Uh, and she thought to herself, how are we going to find that out? And she punish a bunch, punish of, people. A bunch of people. But who <laughs> and who should do the punishing? <laughs> right. This is a, <laughs> the, Punisher. the Punisher. That's who. Catch up with all the latest uh, uh, adventures of the Punisher in Journalology, just fifty nine ninety five. Uh, children, get a bunch of children. Uh, yes, I'm familiar yeah, with them. Get a mm-hmm. bunch of children, and uh, ha- have children watch a child do something wrong. Oh, this is like a Lord of the Flies situation where Lord of the Flies and some this children? This is some real Lord of the Flies shit. And I appreciate Molly Crockett and <laughs> Julia Marshall for doing this. Uh, two, piggy, piggy, piggy. 251 children between the ages of four and seven watched a video oh. of a child tearing up another youngster's artwork. So they're watching a video <laughs> of one kid tearing mm-hmm. up another kid's art. I'm imagining just a giant cathedral of 250 kids watching this yeah, video it, it, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and they're in cloaks and they have hoods pulled over their heads and you can't see, but they are judging. They're yeah. like, oh. it's like a, it's like a, it's like that 1984 Apple ad, you know, with the the big projection of the but just a bunch of babies, justice babies. <laughs> It's cute. <laughs> Just dude, Justice Babies was my favorite reboot of uh, of a Let TV series in the eighties. I love Justice yeah, Babies. Yeah, it was just all your favorite superheroes, but just <laughs> babies solving baby crimes. Little, little little Superman, little Batman. As an aside, little Batman, little Batman is hard is hard to, uh, to pull off because, like, you know, he had to watch his parents die at a. At a real yeah, he's just age, he's you know? just Bruce Wayne, and he just doesn't get what the other kids are about. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you'll learn. Just oh, you'll learn, kid. It's all these all these kids with superpowers, and then just a wealthy, just infant. a wealthy, happy infant. It's just like I don't know why I'm hanging out with these guys. I think everything's fine. Oh, Surely amazing. nothing is wrong in the world. Um, as an aside, and I don't want to, I don't want to go too much into this, but I was thinking the other day about how many cartoons there were in the late eighties, early nineties, where they took known characters and made them children or teenagers. And I remember that there was, that there was a Yogi bear one where they were all hip teens that lived in a mall and the ranger was a mall security guard. They lived in Yellowstone or Jellystone mall. 
I do, do not the recall 80s that was a all. wild time, y'all. Um, listen, <laughs> what else was a wild time was watching these children punish these other children. Okay? Because <laughs> here's what's up. Bring it back. 251 children. They watch these other kids tear up some innocent other child's artwork, and they got divided into two mm. groups. And uh, first, the children uh, had to first decide whether to punish the art destroyer by taking away their iPad. You know how kids love the iPad. Oh, gosh. That would, there's nothing worse yeah. to a child. You ask this one kid who's sitting in judgment, so you just saw what happened. Does the kid who, does the child who ripped up the artwork deserve to have their iPad taken away? Now, if the children decided to punish the transgressor, they would have to make a personal sacrifice their own iPad would be locked away as well. <gasps> Everyone loses the iPads. One iPad goes away, all the iPads go That's away? That's right. Oh my God. So, if you, like, so, the, if you imagine this, this is a kid being told, we can punish the kid that did wrong. But in order to do it, you have to lose something too. So this is the idea here is justice for all, right? It's it's we are we are all experiencing the same. Are you willing to lose out on something personally to make sure someone who right. did something wrong is punished? So this would prove the retribution. Well, thing? here's where it gets interesting. Or this would prove the two groups. The, the two groups were then given a different sort of outcome here. So the first group was told that if they chose the punishment uh, the wrongdoer would lose their iPad, but would not be told why. Okay? So if you imagine, mm. this first group of kids is told, listen, we can take away Billy's iPad for ripping up the artwork, but your iPad's going to be taken away as well. And Billy won't know why his iPad was taken away. But it will mm. be taken away. He'll get punished for what he did. Okay? okay? Group number two is told, hey, by the way, we're going to take away both of your iPads, but Billy will be told that his iPad was being taken away for ripping up that artwork. He will know why his okay. iPad was being taken away. So what we've got here is straight up retribution yeah. in the first group. Do you want to punish this child? Right. This is Sniper in the Woods. Never saw it never coming. Never saw it coming. We'll never know why. gets what's coming to we'll him. We'll never know yeah. why. Second one exactly. is, hey- this child will be told why the iPad was being taken away, and then maybe they won't do it again. Yeah. Maybe they'll learn. Who chose to punish more, Jeff? Uh, there, there's no part of me that thinks that the kids wouldn't pick the, you got to tell the kid why. Like, it seems like, a, especially to a child's mind, they would want the kid to know why they're had their iPad taken away, right? So the first group, the one that was told, nobody will be told anything. No one will be the wiser as to why this happened. 26% of them yeah. chose to punish the child. 26. So a very small percentage. Quarter of them. Quarter of them said, yeah, fuck it. That guy's yeah, got to go down. Uh, but three, three quarters of them said, let the kids let slide. Let the kids slide. Uh, the children in the second group who knew that the wrongdoer would be told why. 50%. I I thought so. I mean, it's still a, 
I think it's still a little surprising that they that that many of them would be like, don't punish him at all. I guess it's because they don't want their own iPad being right. taken the away. The second part of it that they're not but, studying right now is personal sacrifice in the name of justice. Yeah, no kidding. That seems like a big part of it. But I, I'm, I'm heartened by this a bit because I feel like we, we wouldn't want the kids to just be like, get, get what's coming to them. It doesn't matter if they know it or not. We, the, the, because that does indicate justice, right? They want the kid to understand that what they did was wrong, not just to get punished, not just to have something bad happen to them, not just have karma strike them down. You know, you do a bad thing, a bad thing happens to you, no causality, no connection that you know of, or you do a bad mm-hmm. thing, you must understand thing was yeah. bad. Yeah. I think that's heartening. I'm happy yeah, to hear I that. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I, I honestly, I love, I love these results, barring the fact that I wish more kids would, would give up their own iPad to teach the lesson. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a hard thing for I think a it's kid. It's a hard thing for right? an adult. This comes back to, yes. Well, but it comes back to what we were talking about right at the top, which was we are sort of fundamentally selfish beings. And what do I give a shit if the if the kid tore up the other kid's thing if it affects me? Yeah. Right? Like, I, I don't know these kids. None of that. I, I've it, never seen these kids yeah, before. None of that affects me. And now you're saying in, in, in order for me to have this justice served, it has to affect me. I think for a kid, that's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, for some adults, it is too. I also see why they needed to do it because if you don't, if you don't make the kid think about it, the answer a hundred percent of the time is punish them. Right. Right. No matter what the group is, the the answer is punish them. Of course. But if it's like, well, you're going to lose something too. Okay. Well, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Well, but doesn't this track to, to, Hey, do you want us to make sure that X, Y, or Z is right in the world? Yes. Okay. Well, we have to raise your taxes. Whoa. Whoa yeah. Let's not it do that. It absolutely does. I mean, it's it, exactly the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, and mm, man, once again, we're not going to digress, but nine times out of 10, it's not about raising your taxes. It's about raising the taxes of people far wealthier than you'll ever be. But we'll, we don't need to, we're going to, we're going to yeah. put that away. Uh, so, you yeah. know. The, the the conclusion that they came to is the opportunity to teach a wrongdoer a lesson motivates children to punish over and above the desire simply to see them suffer for their actions. But there's some stuff that I yeah that's there's good. some stuff that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. But but I do think it's kind of interesting because like so you know one of the authors says that children are less exposed to social ideas about how to behave in certain ways, uh, and it you know to me that that sounds like they're less exposed to ideas so their natural impulses will come out more right but yeah. i mean these kids are these kids are between the age of 4 and 7 like kids socialize and take on like the ethical beliefs of the people around them very very quickly especially like between 4 and yeah. 7 they they've already been given a societal idea of what a punishment is and what punishment is uh proportional right Right. Like, well, I, I see that with my own kids, you know, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and the two-year-old is, is a little too young to really, I mean, she has an ever expanding vocabulary, but she's still too young to sort of have conversations with, but the four-year-old really gets it. And he will start policing his younger sister 
based on the rules as applied to him. That's big for right? kids around so his like age. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just last night, you know, she did something at the dinner table that we have told him is unacceptable. And so he says, daddy, you have to take her. You have to take her toys away. She's not allowed to do that. And I was like, you're right. You're right. She's not allowed to do that, even though she's a little younger than him. And so, you know, she kind of doesn't understand as mm-hmm. well. I wanted to apply the same thing. And he needed to see that the rules were applied equally to his sister oh, as man. well. Right. He said, I've been punished for this. I need it to work the same way. Dude, unilaterally. The worst thing about. Well, there's a lot of weird things about kids in that age group. But one of the worst things for me when I was when I was teaching preschool is that age. They're just a bunch of fucking narcs. They're just, it's they're so just true. narcs, man. Yeah. They just want to tell on everyone oh, yeah. for everything. And like one of the things that like you really do have to do uh, when you're, when you're teaching early childhood is, is sometimes you have to be like, Hey man, mind your fucking business. Like you have to teach kids yeah, snitches that just get stitches. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to teach a kid that it's like, okay, but like, you're not the arbiter of justice. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> that's that's what we say all the time is we try to tell Jack, you're not the yeah. parent, buddy. You're not the parent. Mommy and daddy's got I've got this. You're not the parent. But but they need I think they're trying think to put the world to this story in, in the sense. Yes. And they want to make sure that justice as a concept, although they don't think of it that way, but their their sense of how to behave has to work for everybody or there's no rules, right? right? If, if their sense of justice is such that if, if I get punished for it and I have to behave away, then it better work that way for everybody or else I'm, it's unfair to me. And therefore it's based on a security. (laughs) It's based on a security that comes from patterns, routine and understandability because there's so much that they don't understand in the world. Uh, and there's so much that is overwhelming for them that they need that sort they need that structure and those boundaries. You know, I'm like, people always think I'm being condescending when I, when I compare like really young kids to like dogs, but like, I'm not, (laughs) <laughs> like my dog, like my dog, if, if my dog doesn't go out the, around the same three times every day, my dog worries about what's wrong. Something is off about the yeah. day. This is not when this happens. Right. And, and young kids are like right. that too. Snack time happens now. Then after snack time, we watch this show. Yes. Then after this show, we take right. a nap. And if that doesn't happen, I start freaking out and I don't know why. I just know that yeah, this the is wrong is very important and it feels wrong. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it becomes so important for kids, I think, but it is. And it's nice to know that it's more about, because of that, it's easy to look at this study and go like, of course, these kids just want the rules followed because it's such a thing for mm-hmm. them, you know, because I don't know. Right. I mean, you can tell me how much you think the empathy has appeared. You know what I mean? I wonder how much it's actually about, it's wrong that that girl is sad because he tore up her artwork and that's not okay. You know, I don't know how much it is that they can feel what that other little girl feels. I I think you can try to lead them there at that age and they can sort of get there, but they're the the ones that are towards seven years old. Yes. But the four year olds, absolutely not. I don't think. No. Yeah. We've definitely, I, I say that a lot to my son that 
that variation on the golden rule thing of, you know, well, is that how you would want somebody to treat you? And he does something mean to his sister or pushes her or something like that. Would you want somebody to do that to you? No. Then why do you do it to her? Because I didn't want her to do that. There's, there's a disconnect between like the, the way I act could be acted by someone else yeah. to me that they have a hard time making that connection because they're just, just bundles of id at that age. You know, they're just wants and needs and gotta haves and they don't have a concept of how that blows back on them in any stretch <laughs> no. at all. That's there's a, yeah. there's a big light bulb moment that really happens when kids first get their, like their first, their first real taste of empathy. And I would, I would say that it happens around like yeah. maybe around seven or eight when they really start caring about other kids. And that's like, that's such a thing to see happen in a child that like light bulb go off, like maybe seven, but like it's somewhere around that like second, third grade where it's just like, oh shit, don't do that to them. That's not cool. You know, the first time you see a kid really do that, not for their own reasons, but for, it's just like, it's not cool that you're doing that to someone. It's like, oh, you did it. You're a little human. <laughs> did you have that thing? Did your parents ever say to you that thing of um when you went, it's not fair, life isn't fair? Did you did they ever oh, say that to you? I, I got oh, that a lot. Hell a yes. My my dad especially. Uh my my mother would always try because my mother comes from the teach she's the teaching side of my family. She was she's an early childhood educator. Yeah. And so she always used to be like, you know, it's uh, fairness is important and we do our best to keep things as fair as we can. And yet sometimes things are disappointing and out of our control. (laughs) You know, she would always try to explain it in a way that was a little more that that was a little more. Hey, man, this is the universe rather than like life's not fair. Life's not fair is just a thing parents say where you're just like, oh, eat shit, dad. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely a a platitude and a cliche, but it, it is interesting to me in the context of this story in the sense that as you're young, you sort of inherently need to believe that there is a fundamental justice at play all the time. Right. And part of maturing is realizing that that's just not the case at all. Part of my daily existential (laughs) dread is just with, yeah, but it's wild that we are all built in with that, that expectation, you know, that all of us are born believing that it has to all work that way. If it works way one way for me, it has to work that way for everybody else. And that's just never been never true. Been true. <laughs> it's never been true. And I would say, yeah. I would say that the idea that life has to be equally fair to everyone is a relatively modern one. I would say that if you went back a few hundred years mm. and asked, you know, different children who grew up in different cultures, different societies, uh, if they believed that, no, some people are the, they, they were taught some people are inherently you think that's an American some people thing? were inherently better than others. And you were taught that at an early age, right? Um Yeah, right. Caste system, yeah. that kind of thing. Do you think that's a, a uniquely American perspective? Because maybe I'm just blind to the idea that that's how I was raised, and therefore I assume everyone is. I don't know that it's I don't know that it's that. A uniquely American, but I do think it it is of the last maybe the last 150 years. And I would Mm. be interested to talk to historians or, or, you know, anthropologists and see, I'm going to go on that. I'm going to go on that, like ask a historian subreddit and be like, did everybody believe life was fair? How long have we been believing that life has to be fair? (laughs) 
because I don't think that's, I think that's a pretty modern idea. Hey, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that is true. It's, it's easy to feel like things have always been the way because they were for you, but I, it seems pretty clear that that's not how people were raised for most of human history. Right. That guy's yeah. better than you. That guy's and worse maybe, than and you. Maybe, <laughs> and maybe, honestly, maybe that's also my privilege talking, right? Maybe I had the privilege of being raised in a blissful lack of awareness of the inherent inequality of the world I tell and you that when I try inherent to, unjustness When I try of the to world. picture your childhood, Jeff, <laughs> your childhood specifically, I just see a, I just see a bunch of Norman Rockwell paintings. I don't I don't think that's entirely I it, true. I know it's not. Um, I know it can't be. But at the same time, just yeah. because of the type of person you grew up into, you know, you have that innate belief, you have <laughs> that innate like, no, I want to make things as fair as possible for everyone. You know, you know, it's nice yeah. to be nice. I yeah. love loving things like all of that. I just picture a real Pleasantville mm-hmm. vibe, you know? I mean, I I had very loving parents who I still love, but you know, they're divorced and um, you know, I have an aunt who I never I met twice in my life and never if she walked up to me on the street, I wouldn't have known her. She's dead now, but if she walked I up to me on the street. Her, I'd be like, fuck, it's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like there's some there's some shit in my family. Yeah, sure. right? They're, like my dad and his sister just didn't talk at all. Right. They had a fight one time when I was one year old and then they never spoke wow. again. Yeah, that's some that's some, I mean, fa- some that's Italian, some Italian shit. shit, man. That's some Italian shit. I got yeah, some of that yeah. in my in my family too. That's also that's also some Eastern yeah. European shit. Basically, any anytime <laughs> you can point at somebody in your family and go, they're from the old country, you've got that petty grudge shit in your family. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. yes. But life should be yeah. fair, and we do want life to be fair. And you know, we think it's only fair for you to give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> There's a inherent fairness, you know. It's it. You know what? You know what's unfair, Anthony, is that some people pay for the show and other people don't. <laughs> uh, in all honesty, we do have a Patreon, and it is the only way uh, we uh, fund and support the show. And we do try to uh, to be fair in return and give you some stuff. Uh, give you some stuff back. Everything from early episodes to bonus audio to uh to video hangouts hangouts we got we already talked about that today we're we're doing hangouts it's it's fun it's a great community there's a discord just a buck a buck a month which is a very very small amount you can join the discord community and be part of a really wonderful group of people that talk about science stories that talk about all sorts of things uh, video games it's a it's a wonderful group of people in that discord and then the bonuses go up from there. We would never want you to support the show if it in any way causes you financial hardship. But understand that it is unfair to the people that's, who are paying. That's all, that's we, all want we want you to know. You and know. let me tell you something. It's like, it is like Pleasantville in there. Everybody's making all their shots. <laughs> Everybody goes yeah. to prom. It's beautiful in the Discord. Come to the Discord. Patreon.com slash we have concerns. Hey, Anthony. Let's talk about the Stone Age. Sure. Shall we? That's when uh that's when people would use birds as whistles and 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 yes. like tiny stegosauruses as as 
garbage disposals and you would be like, hey, what's going yes. on? And you'd be like, it's a living. You could, in the Stone Age, drive up to a, a outdoor food restaurant, a fast food mm-hmm. joint, and they would deliver right to your window an entire set of enormous Brontosaurus uh, ribs. Bring back. Uh, I'm not listen. joking about that. Just, just bring it back to those classic values. Make Pangea great again. Put the fucking giant ribs on my pedal car. Let's go, Kyle McLaughlin. <laughs> no shirt and a tie. Let's go, Rick Moranis, and Let's then some go. Baldwin, I guess, in the sequel. Oh, there was a Baldwin in the sequel. I forgot about that. Crazy. That's Stone Age Two. Anyway, we're talking about. Uh, we got it was the one that was right after the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, a, an interesting story about the Stone Age sent to us uh, right there on that aforementioned well, Discord. Well, well. Uh, this was sent by Hate Knots uh, or Hates Not. Uh, thank you for sending this in, for posting it right in it in the uh, the uh, Cool Science News channel on the Discord, which is a great place to submit stories if you want to help us uh, find a great story to talk about on the show. We love getting your submissions there. This is about some capuchin monkeys that seem to have entered the Stone Age. Oh, uh, these shit. monkeys live in Panama, and uh, they were first observed way back in 2007, a few of them using some stone tools to crack open shells of things, to break bones. To uh, help them get Oh my God, food. oh my God, oh my God, Jeff, it's happening. It's happening. We're only like, I feel like we're only, a, uh, we're so close to monkey detectives. We're so <laughs> used to monkeys and yeah. people, well, wearing people clothes, doing people things. Yeah, well, th- for the first thing you need is the stone tools as evidence. And then the monkey detectives can discover the tools. They can you need solve a murder the weapon first if you're gonna monkey have a murder. Detective. Monkey cane. <laughs> And monkey able, <laughs> brother against brother, <laughs> stricken down. Oh, the first murder is, it's always brothers. Uh, I may have said 2007, I meant 2004. 2004 I was going to say, it couldn't uh, have been 2007. This, <laughs> <laughs> the authors of this, this new paper that was just published uh, observed behavior in uh, this place called... Uh, Jicaron Island, Jicaron Island. Um, it's a small island off the coast of Panama. Uh, and there are these capuchin monkeys there that they observed uh, just starting to sort of use rocks in very crude ways. They went back 13 years later in March of 2017. I guess that's how long it takes to get funding. Hey. <laughs> Uh, uh, and they placed camera traps across the three islands around Panama to observe these capuchin monkeys using stone tools. And what they witnessed is really, really remarkable. They saw monkeys, male monkeys only, uh, break coconuts, crabs, and snails with these uh, tools, with these stone tools. Very crude stone tools, but that's how they were using them. They're using them as tools. But the fascinating thing about this is that it was localized to a very specific group of these monkeys. 
only on one of the three islands. So it wasn't that these capuchin monkeys had reached some sort of evolutionary level of competence and all sort of entered the Stone Age. Because I don't know about you, but when I think of the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, I sort of feel like it is this inevitable line in time that is crossed by a sophistication level, right? We, as a species, got more and more sophisticated, evolving, learning more about our world, and get to this point where, okay, everybody across the planet, not all in the same exact year or whatever, but around the same time is sort of evolving into the use of tools. Yeah, I guess. But I I guess it also kind of makes sense to me that, like, well, one... You do have to evolve to a certain, you know, the animal has to evolve to a certain, you know, brain structure, physical structure, whatever. But then also like, yeah, one's got to do it and show the other one how to do it. Right. And, and if it's localized to this island, what that tells me is like, hey, one island had one real smart capuchin monkey that was like, my dudes, you would not believe how you can open shit. This is what's up. That, that is exactly what these re- researchers came to is that it it seems to be the case that it is one or a couple of smarter than average individual monkeys or in our case, primates, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, um, Neanderthals, whatever our aliens, ancestors gray aliens, that go came on. up with this stuff. The, yeah. As they in, mm-hmm. incepted us into our brains uh, that just it, just a few sort of uniquely intelligent leaders came up with this stuff and then shared it and taught monkey thought others. leaders, monkey so disruptors, like, exactly. Monkeys that are it's changing the like, game. I mean, and I, it, it, I guess this totally makes sense, right? Because you see it with everything. It's not like everybody comes up with everything. It's that some people come up with stuff and teach everybody else about the stuff, but that's never how I conceptualized an age of, Enlightenment, right. you know, that's not how I conceptualized the evolutionary steps of a species, but that's really what it is. It's like there's for whatever reason, a few chance uh, ev- evolutionary sparks, uh, a, br- a brain that goes, oh, hey, you know what? I can use this rock to break that coconut and eat it. And everybody else is like, I'm so hungry. How did you do that? And they watch the first monkey do it and go, oh, shit, I could do that. Yeah. And it happens. The problem is, and this is what we really want to watch out for, is we want to make sure they don't create a monkey patent system too quickly after this. Because then, even if the Mm -hmm. other monkeys want to crack open the coconuts, they will not legally be allowed to. Because right after the monkey detectives comes the monkey attorneys. Yes, right. That's the problem is the monkey... Patent mm-hmm. lawyers, and they 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 establish just those those empty monkey companies that really aren't anything other than just copyright That's it. holders. All they do is they know? own IP. And they own monkey like, IP, MIP. All the rocks, every single rock is is now copyrighted. And and what, what are you going to do there? I'm going to laugh at them do? in their you're, little you're glasses. I'll tell you that rock. much because I don't think they need those little glasses. <laughs> He's carrying a briefcase. He's carrying around a briefcase. He pulls the papers out, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know what they're for. You know what's inside those briefcases? What? Oh bananas. my god, bananas! It's, he it's opens bananas. up that briefcase, and there's a rock and a coconut. 
and he sits down to work. <laughs> exhibit A. Exhibit A and C. C for coconut. Yeah, I mean, this all makes sense. And it, I mean, it makes sense throughout really really the way we see everything. If you think about uh, the things that we use every day, if you think about simple things like UI design or product design, right? Somebody comes up with something that looks, oh, this is the way you do something on a website. We'll put a header image on the top. Oh, a header image on the top. So people know what the website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put a header image on that. And then I'll, you know, I've watched websites turn into these things where every website looks the same. Every phone looks the same. Every, every UI on every streaming box looks the same because like, this is what we do as, as humans is, uh, or what all animals that, that kind of can do these sorts of things do is like, Oh, I saw you do that. Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah. I found out how to do it a oh, little that works, faster. That works better than yeah. what I've been doing. Yeah, that's where, that works better than what I've been doing. So I'll just do what you're doing. Eyes on your own paper, monkey. Eyes on hey, your own paper. Eyes on your own fucking paper, monkey. Little cheating <laughs> monkey with your fake ass glasses looking at my paper. <laughs> but what this what this team is saying is that this suggests that entering the Stone Age is. Uh, has a lot to do with chance. Yeah, of course. It's not an expected trajectory for primates. It's like this other island just might not have any smart oh. monkeys on it. And they just might not enter the Stone Age. Meanwhile, over in this other island, we're a modern Stone Age family. So you this know? just clicked to me. And, this uh, just clicked to me is what you're saying is, what you've been telling me, and I, I've, I've only been partially understanding, is that in your mind, the Stone Age is some sort of eventual inevitability. In, yes, that's how I had conceptualized it. In your mind, it. like if an animal is, if if a type of animal is smart enough or has evolved to the point where physically the brain structure, the the hands, the whatever, it will eventually do this. It's an it's right. inevitable. The tools are all there. A million that's monkeys how, on a million rocks right. will eventually break a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how I feel. I feel is that like it's a it's a function of time, and this seems to say no. There's this chance. There there has to be the spark, the the inspiration mm-hmm. of a single monkey to try it, which is not inevitable. No. It's not, and that that to me is kind of mind blowing. It's like you could have this this entire island of monkeys last for you know, a much longer period stuck in a different epoch get than the other I monkeys. I am the eternal pessimist here, but buddy, every day it blows my mind the fact that we exist because it is a comedy of errors. It is a fucking... Oh, yes. It was just a matter of seized opportunities and randomness over a period of time, and now we are here and we can play video games, and it's fucking nuts to me because at no point in time was any of this, any of this destined to be. Right. Inevitable. Yeah. None right. of this was inevitable. Yeah, I agree. If we didn't have some smart... Yeah, no, we won the lottery a billion times. We, we kept winning the lottery over times. and over and over. A billion times. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, anytime you see a movie where it's like, oh, but the, the humans are, are the animals and the dinosaurs are the cops. Like, you know what, man? That could have <laughs> fucking happened. <laughs> Look, is exactly. it dumb? Yeah. yeah. And it could have happened. <laughs> And that's why I love it. Yeah. No, I 
I think about that all the time. It, it really came into focus when I had kids because kids you realize dumb. how many fucking things, <laughs> well, how many fucking things could go wrong in, in, in birthing a child, right? Like I think about with regard to my own kids, but I also think about with, you know, anybody that has fucked up their life in some stupid way, made a dumb decision. I'm like, you won the lottery so many times to even get to the point where you could make that dumb decision. How dare you squander it? Like you were the, the, all the things that conspired to get you to the place where you were even able to make the dumb decision. Like the fact that you exist at all and are whole and, and aren't fucked up in some weird way and didn't have a million problems and you know, we're born on a part of the planet that allowed you to continue breathing past the age of two. You know, like all of this shit, you kept winning the lottery over and over and over. And now you're going to knock over the liquor store. You know, like that's the decision that you're making right now. I don't know. I, it, it It's it's something that I think about with yeah, regard to my kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think about it more or less in regards to the guy knocking over the liquor store and more to like the dumb decisions I made when I was a kid, like a literal kid, like kids are right. dumb and soft and, and weak. And like the first one had to survive to find another one. <laughs> oh yeah. No kids, kids want to die. They're trying Dude. to die. And the fact that, and, and, and being a parent is so fucking hard. You look at any other mammal on this planet and they pop out and they're like mostly competent. But human beings, they're just going to well, they're just going to die if you don't do a well, whole that's the lot thing, of stuff. Man, is like when when you hear about, oh, well, this, there had to be one smart monkey to knock the rock onto the coconut. Think about your beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, brilliant, but also like dumb idiot babies that you have. OK, think about your <laughs> yes. dumb idiot babies yes. and like you still can't leave your dumb idiot babies alone and they've been alive for years. They got to learn everything from you. They have to see one smart monkey do the right thing so they understand how it works. Yes. That's wild. I love that we're watching it and I love that we're watching the inevitable ape uprising. Well, this is the inevitable ape uprising. I do need to tell you though, that I know that monkeys are different than apes. Don't at me. Yeah, this is actually the second American species to enter the Stone Fuck, Age. We're doing it, monkey detectives. Uh, yeah, little monkey, uh, little monkey squad cars. The the other uh, capuchins in South America have used stone tools, uh, and there are two species of macaques in Thailand and West Africa. That uh, that have been doing it for seven hundred years. Of course, those monkeys years. are pickpockets. So those I, monkeys are rogues. Those monkeys have backstab abilities. <laughs> yeah, no, they've they've leveled up hard. But I guess what I'm telling you is, macaques have been rock hard for seven hundred years. Wow, I let you lead me there. I let you lead me there, and I literally Macaques didn't see it coming. Hard. My cocks have been rock hard for 700 years. I literally let that happen. I walked right into it. I didn't see it coming. Where was the smart monkey to show me after fucking 700 episodes that this was going to happen to me? You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Well, I have nothing further to say on monkey intelligence now. You've soured it for me. 
you've soured it for me. <laughs> I suggest cool story, you get yourself to the Discord where you can talk to the other fucking rabble that wants to hear your bad puns. <laughs> it's really the only reason I know I it the is. Story. I know it is. Now that now that we've gotten to the end of it, that's what's so annoying is it's such an interesting story. <laughs> And I know that you literally picked it because that pun occurred to you. You were sitting with like four stories and you were like, which one am I going to (gasps) do? There's the pun. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I ain't ain't ashamed of it. You're asking me to be ashamed of macaques? Anyway, it's patreon.com slash we have concerns. Do know that half that money goes to me. It doesn't all go to him. (laughs) Do know that I do receive half of that money and you don't have to worry that he gets all of it. You don't have to worry that you're throwing your money away. Uh, and then you also get access to the Discord and as well as a bunch of other extras. We would really appreciate it if you checked it out. Uh, and yeah. I'm just, I'm going to log off. I'm going to log off, bud. <laughs>